Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Welcome back, gardeners. It's a lovely day so far. going to be a hot day. That's kind of silly to say because it's summer. It's always going to be hot here in the summer. But get out there early, tackle the work you got to do, get it over with quick, and then come back inside and cool off for a while. It is many more days of this hot weather coming. Not a lot we can do about it other than Try to make the most of it when it's not so warm. Doesn't always work that way, does it? But we can try. That's what we're trying to look for here. Um, I have been amazed at how many plants on my property are, are drawing in the hummingbirds. They are just going crazy. Uh, I have one plant, a goji berry. It produces a flower that is so small, you can't believe there's any nectar in it, but my hummers just love it when it's out there. Uh, And it produces a fruit for me, a little berry. If I can get any, the birds usually attack it first. So always consider it a decent wildlife plant. It's an attractive plant. The uh, flowers are always enjoyed by the uh, uh, hummingbirds. The birds just line up to eat the berries. Does pretty good in this heat too. you you would treat it like a rose in terms of water and fertilizing, but it will, uh, many of the berries that come off of it, they may be volunteers. So I warn you before you look at getting this plant, the birds are probably depositing them in places uh, we don't want them growing, but they're not really terribly invasive plants. They're not difficult to remove. And so far, the current goji berry that I have that's been in a container has been there for, wow, 10 years. Yeah, maybe more. And it has frozen flush to the ground and come back. And it has handled the low water of a drought so pretty tough little plant attractive too now <clears throat> i flame a campus i've had for years but never really did anything but i didn't realize it wasn't getting enough sun there was a tree there so rather than move it we wound up took taking the tree down not on purpose that was the a victim of the freeze the ice storm broke so many branches uh, that it's now getting full sun. 
and it is now on fire. It has so many beautiful red little flowers on it. Poor hummingbirds, they, they could spend all day there. That is one of the things that I find that is so much easier than constantly having to go out every two or three days in this heat and replacing the hummingbird nectar. Yeah, if you weren't aware of that, you got a hummingbird feeder and you're not keeping them super clean and replacing the nectar very frequently in this heat, you can poison the hummingbirds. And a couple of the things they can get are really pretty brutal. I'm not even going to discuss them. So I would rather have the flowers from the real plants so I can enjoy the beauty of the plant and of the hummingbird. There are a lot of them that you might not think of. Like I said, my goji berry has a tiny purple flower. The duranta, the sky flower, can have beautiful purple flowers that droop. You know hummingbirds still like that? They, it's not that it has to be red. It can be any color. They can sense the nectar in it. Now, uh, my Duranta, the, the native bumblebee, the real big bee that, you know, kind of bumbles along, it loves the Duranta. It's hilarious because here's this big bee crawling into this tiny flower to get to the pollen, makes the whole branch bounce up and down. But these are all good sources for our wildlife. We get to enjoy the beauty of the flower. They get to enjoy the food that it provides. So it can, uh, it can really be kind of a symbiotic relationship. You find the appropriate plants and you will provide uh, resources for the appropriate wildlife. Yesterday I had a caller who was building a butterfly, I guess, garden for his wife and he was putting in everything he could find uh, that was for the various butterflies we have. And he noticed something that I'd been talking about. The host plant, passion flower for the Gulf fritillary, uh, pipe vine for the pipe vine swallowtails, things like that. The host plants can get you swear they've been destroyed, mowed down to the ground by all the caterpillars chewing on them. And in every case, as soon as the caterpillars are gone, because they don't have any food to eat, the plants come back. They manage. They do fine. That's how nature works. The... Butterflies will not kill their hosts. That'd be kind of dumb, wouldn't it? Because that would kill all of your food. And the next generation wouldn't have anything to eat. And we wouldn't have a next generation. It can be rather upsetting to watch them look like a lawnmower hit your plants. But this connection, this host plant uh butterfly 
It's been around for millennia. And they have evolved to be able to handle each other. So it will be nerve-wracking to see them get so chewed up, but you get the reward of seeing all of these beautiful butterflies coming around. It's, um, it's really, it's really uh, worth it to invest in a landscape with lots and lots of flowers in it so that you can enjoy the things that enjoy the flowers. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I got texted here a question. Um, how do you get rid of wasps and yellow jackets and things like that? There are hanging traps for wasps. They're basically a plastic cup. Uh, they're, they're basically a plastic cup. They have holes in the lid and you drip in a bait, usually something uh, sweet uh, thing. They can smell it, they go through the hole and they can't find their way out. Sometimes the, the traps will have liquid in them and the uh, wasp or yellow jacket will wind up dying. One other thing that you wanna do is if, if you have wasp nests and you wind up using sprays, there are some organic sprays kill the wasp, you always want to make sure that you completely remove the nest. If you don't, they'll come back to it. You don't even want to leave that little bee stem that attaches it to the soffit or to the door frame or wherever they're uh, showing up. If you leave that little telltale, they will... Oh, they'll put a new nest right there. They'll assume that, hey, that somebody else was here before. must be a good spot. So the big important thing is to make sure you remove the nest completely when it's safe to do so. <clears throat> yes, I've seen the videos of people taking and sliding their hand under a large uh, wasp nest pulling it down and carrying it with a bunch of wasps in it. Nope, that is not just nope, that's a nope with all capital letters. Uh, it would be great if you can do that and you want to. I sure don't. I have actually inadvertently stuck my hand into one of the nests and got stung more times than I can remember on my hand. But just remember, whatever you use to get rid of the wasps, traps, or sprays, 
You want to remove the nest that is left. Make sure, make sure you don't leave any trace of it. Throw it in the trash. Oh, someone, I was mentioning a red growing plant underneath my tree that uh, flame acanthus was the name of the plant and it barely bloomed, if ever, because it was in too much shade. Still grew really well. But now that the tree is gone and it gets a lot more sun, it is nothing but a sea of red blooms. You have to warn you about this plant. It, um, it's, it, spread, it spreads readily. That's a polite way to put it. I wouldn't say it's invasive. But you will see it slowly expanding as it grows. That may be a good thing. That may be a bad thing. Mine is still expanding and doing more so because it has less uh, shade. It's getting more hours of direct sunlight. And where it's expanding, I can live with that. I'm not concerned about it yet. The other advantage is it's very easy to pull up little starts, put them in a pot, let them start growing, and you could use them as housewarming gifts. So uh, that is the advantage, I guess, of an aggressive growing plant. I have a pavonia, rock rose. Beautiful, beautiful pink flowers, fresh ones every morning. But every flower has a seed in it, and it is spreading rapidly. From a little four-inch plant, it's now probably four foot in diameter. And it's not this most perfectly shaped plant. So pretty but it's taking over the area that it's growing in and it loves our environment. That's some of the problem with our plants. We find ones that grow really well and then we realize that they grow really well. And the problem with that is because they'll grow really well, they try to take over. I have several, I have Turk's cap everywhere. Guess what? Uh, I didn't plant it. I planted one Turk's cap 20 years ago, and now I've got them all over the place. I'm constantly pulling them up from the ground so they don't keep spreading. Mealy blue sage, pretty plant, tough, grows well. Again, another one that's taken me years to get rid of. But it's a native plant and it requires little to no care. Well, it requires it requires too much maintenance now.
it doesn't it doesn't benefit me to have a really super healthy plant instead of having to spend time to keep it growing well to spend time to keep it from invading everywhere that's that's kind of our trade off you want to you want to have some knowledge of these plants before you just randomly pick them. For one, I'm I'm a big fan of Blackfoot Daisy. I planted it in uh, the ditch, really, at the front of my home, and it has done very well. But it has slowly been spreading. So it is showing up in places that I didn't plant it, but it's slow. It's not like 10 times the plants this year that there were last year. Very pretty, it's very tough, very industrial, has a lovely scent to it. And it might be considered an aggressive grower because it recedes, like a Turk's cap would. Like many of our plants that we really want to spend time with. Uh, let's go to the phone. This is Don. Hi, Don. What can I help you with? Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Uh, I've got uh, three acres of raw uh, forest on my property, and I've, I've had it for six years now. But this year, for some reason, we've gotten this incredible infestation of the gestrums. And uh, I'm wondering if there's an easy way to get rid of them. You know, when I first noticed them, they were about knee high. And I was pulling them out as quick as I could, but it, it's there were so many of them, I couldn't keep up with it. Now they're about shoulder high or head high. And, uh, you know, my, my inclination is just to level them with a chainsaw and then put some stump killer on them. But I wondered if you had any other alternative for getting rid of those things. That was my suggestion. Get a get a chainsaw mm -hmm. uh, as flush as you can, and um, that'll that'll get them started with. And then the stump remover should eat up the stump and reduce the amount of shoots you get. You're still going to get a few, but uh -huh. chainsaw chainsaw and stump remover. That's a that's a pretty good plan to get rid of those trees. Okay, well, will the will the stump stopper uh, sterilize the ground? Nope. Oh, nope. great! It's okay. yeah, it's it's only designed to affect the tree. Love it. Well, I've cut down some bigger legustrums and used the stump stopper on it, and and that seems to be effective. So, try it on. It should be more effective on smaller ones. Great. One other question. Um, we got a big landscaped area too, and most of it looks pretty good. But I'm having seems like I have trouble getting uh, flowers to proliferate, and uh, we got irrigation. But uh, like I put in uh, a bunch of lantana, and it's kind of uh, not not doing very well. Uh, some pride of Barbados not doing very well even with the uh, irrigation. So I'm Those dying plants, to have a large 
verdant, you know, fragrant yard with lots of flowers, but I'm having trouble getting there. Uh, you could quite possibly be overwatering. Uh, oh. Yeah, they th- those plants, Lantana, Pride of Barbados, are high heat, lower temperatures. Uh, excuse me, high heat, lower water use plants. So if mm-hmm. you're watering all the time, you're not helping the plant. Don, uh, I got a break for the news here. Thanks for the call. Thank Folks, you. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Welcome back, everybody. Um, Don got cut off a little short there. Sorry about that. But he wanted to remove some ligustrums. Uh, chainsaw works great. Cut them as flush as you can to the ground. And then stump remover on what's left there to help kill them out and stop them from producing uh, a lot of shoots. Okay, that will get them gone. Now you got to be a little aggressive. Ligustrums are invasive. They're nasty, and they can really develop a lot of them in a hurry. So. You have to you have to be attentive as to what they're doing. Let's go to the phone. This is Robert. Robert, what can I help you with? Good morning. I have a <clears throat> pardon me, a young oak tree that needs trim. When's the best time to do that? Now, arborists want you to trim oak trees between July first and January thirty first. That is when there's the lowest risk of passing along oak wilt. Okay. Well, I'm ready to start doing this. Thank you very much, Jeff. You bet. Uh, You know, Robert, if you don't want to be out in this heat, everybody would understand that. So if you want to wait till fall, you're still good. Well, it's starting to grow up against the house. Ah, Got it. Uh, it was then, it was planted too close to the house to begin with. Well, I guess the tree is deciding for you uh, how you have to deal with this. <laughs> well, I can get up early in the morning to do the work, so that's not heat is not a problem. I'll, I'll just go back in the house and watch TV after that. Yeah, yeah, I do that too. So we're on a plan there, but have at it. It's the right time of the year to do it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call, Robert. Let's go to the phone. This is Don. Don, what can I help you with? Uh, Good morning, Jeff. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. I just had a quick question. I'm harvesting some uh, tomatoes, fortunately. (laughs) uh, They just turned red. Um, The question is, uh, as far as how, how will they stay fresher longer, with or without the stem, if you know what I mean. You know, I'm, I can remember somebody tried to do a study of that, and I don't remember what the outcome was. Um, I normally pull the stem off anyway, just 
the habit of how I harvest the tomato. Um, I, I, I don't know whether I can tell you one way or the other is better. I, it's just how I pick them. I, I, I break the stem off at the top of the tomato, so I don't have stems on them. Um, I guess you could try a few if you're yeah, that, that, some. Go, go ahead. Um, I, you could try a few. I mean, you got a great example uh, in the fact that if you got tomatoes coming from the same plant, de-stem some of them and leave the stem on others and do your own little observation. All right. I uh, like that. Uh, I was thinking of that myself, but I thought I'd just see what your thoughts was, too. Um, I, I, I think I'll actually try that. And uh, hmm, after uh, a little while, if it works, maybe I'll call back and let you know. <laughs> well, please do. Please do. Um, many of the things that we do in the garden are from individuals who made an observation. Hey, I, I used this. This happened, and we tested, and son of a gun, it works. So you mm -hmm. may be determining something really important for us. Mm, okay. Yes, sir, I understand that. Will do. All right, Don, thanks for the call. Let's go to the phone. This is Roger. Roger, what can I help you with? Good morning, sir. How y'all doing this fine day? It is a fine day. Can't be can't be complaining. No complaints. Um, I was watching Central Texas Gardener, and they mentioned awesome cactus and succulent society. Uh, just wondering, they didn't give a whole lot of information about about them. Can you expound on that a little bit, where they meet at, and anything along that line? Uh, they usually, excuse me, they usually meet at the Zilker Botanical Center. Now, I don't know what their schedule is. Uh, if you go to AustinOrganicGardener.org, uh, they have schedules for many of the horticultural societies that meet and when and where, what it may cost. But you should be able to um, search it and come up with a big long list of bamboo society, cactus and succulent society, begonia society. You get my point here. Okay, sir. All right. Well, I definitely appreciate the information, sir. Yeah, good thanks for the call, Roger, and good luck finding them. They are popular. They are, uh, they've got a good member base. And they usually put on a show every year. So maybe you can catch one of those. I need to do something with my cactus and my succulents. So I got quite a few of them. They're the kind of people you, you want to talk to. Yeah, Roger, thank you for that call. Um, the, the Austin Organic Gardeners keep lists of these other societies on their web page or under their Facebook page. Usually you will find them quicker by going to Facebook and trying to look them up 
because the Facebook page is an easier thing to do than to get somebody to do a web page for you. Just depends on what work you want done. Um, so, so there are a lot of them. The Bamboo Society uh, is very popular. Uh, they will exchange types of bamboo. They will tell you how to care for it. The Austin Cactus and Succulent folks, same thing. There are so many beautiful succulents uh, that you can grow here in Austin and that can handle our weather just fine. And a lot of people think succulent means green and spiny. And it couldn't be any further from the truth. There are some gorgeous colors in them. And succulents don't tend to have spines. Cacti, on the other other hand, a lot of those can be pretty pointy. So these are the folks who will give you the information you need in how to raise them properly. Uh, this is a um, proper time of the year to worry about this. Cicada killers, they, are, they will confuse you and make you think they are the biggest wasp you've ever seen. They are looking for cicada. They're the ones that dig the holes in the ground and bury the cicada with eggs laid in it. They can sting, and it will hurt. A lot. These aren't like little wasps. These are painful stings. So you want to take care around them. Don't threaten them. Don't swing at them. Let them do their stuff. They are not looking for you. They are not interested in you. Don't give them a reason to look for you. And it's that time of the year because the cicadas have hatched. Uh, I find carcasses, uh, shells, in my trees all the time around here. I haven't heard lots of cicadas. You can hear them out there. Uh, but they are not out there. They are not out there to get you. Don't give them a reason to. They will move on. And yes, I used to get them at my front door too. They've moved along. They've moved along. I haven't had them in a while. Um, of course, I said that, which means I will probably have a dozen of them. Now, if you have tomato and pepper starts now, I will be seed starting my fall tomatoes here shortly. You will probably find they're easier to care for if you can keep them inside near the brightest windows you have. If you're gonna take them outside, make sure that they get morning sun and not, not, 
that hot western afternoon sun. It'll be too hard for them to grow. But normally bringing the starts inside this time of the year will keep them from frying. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Uh, We are up against a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Welcome back, everybody. Um, A wonderful day to be outside working uh, early today. Several people have mentioned, get out, get back in. There's other things to do that doesn't require you sitting in the heat. Um, One of the things... uh, Okay, someone sent me a really good text here. Thank you. Um, There is a club listing. The person who is looking for... um, Austin Organic, the uh, Cactus and Succulent Club, Bamboo Club, zilkergarden.org is uh, listing many of the clubs that use the, the premises to have their shows. So you can try zilkergarden.org, and they have a list of the various societies that are out here in Texas, what their schedules are, how to contact them. Try that. Let's go to, uh, let's go to the phone. This is, uh, this is Jose. Jose, what can I help you with? Hey, how you doing? Good day today. What's up? Hey, um, yeah, I bought some crepe myrtles a long time ago. Um, there some of them I planted, some of them are still in the little containers. Um, didn't do the greatest taking care of them, but I, they, I water them and they almost die and I water them and they, they come back and so I've been doing a better job watering them. So they're, they're doing, the ones in the ground are doing well. The ones in the pots are doing well, but I bought the, the dark kind of like maroon ones with the red flowers mm-hmm. and they're pink. One of them started flowering, and it's pink instead of red. And then the other ones that are still in the pot, they haven't flowered, but all the leaves are starting to turn from, like, that dark green color to green, and I don't know why. Okay. That's called reversion. They are reverting to norm. The, The dark leaves and the particular color of flower, those are bred into the plant. They do what they need to do to wind up with that combination. However, it's not unusual for plants like that to do what's called revert, meaning the leaves won't be that dark color anymore. Now they're going to be green. Uh, the flower is not, is not quite as red as it may have advertised. Some of that is not a big deal. Um, there are certain shrubs that the leaf would be variegated, but over time it becomes solid color. Sometimes it's the weather we're under. 
Now, you're stressing the plant by, oh, I almost killed it. I got to water it again. That's really hard on the plant. So you could be contributing a little bit to shocking it. If it got better, more consistent behavior, uh, definitely better if it was put in the ground, you will see that it will probably come back to the correct color combination you're looking for. Uh, It'll also help a great deal as we get into fall. There are a lot of plants that have a leaf color that changes during the summer because of the heat. And when it cools off again, they'll turn nice and red. Loripetalum is one that you can see that happen to. So it could partly be the inconsistent care and it could partly be it is so unbelievably hot that combination of events i think once it stabilizes once you get them where you want and get them established they'll look like what you thought they would be oh okay okay so what they i guess when they get healthy again they'll turn back to yeah. what they would have been yeah and listen Crepe myrtles are incredibly strong plants, but the stress of I'm almost dead because I didn't get water, and then you water and they try to come back, they can only do that so much. So really need to put a focus on keeping half an eye on them so they don't do that. Be even better if you can find out where you're going to put them and get them in the ground and let them start growing now. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, cool. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks for the call, Jose. Yeah, folks, you can abuse a plant. I mean, it happens. We forget to water or we have something go wrong or whatever, but they will struggle and struggle and son of a gun, you start giving them the things they want and they can return to the normal plant. But doing that often enough, there'll be a time where they go, I just give up. You're, You're going to, you'll wind up killing the plant from the lack of care. Now for what it's worth, you can kill the plant just as quickly with kindness. If you have a plant that only needs to be watered, oh, maybe every once a week, maybe once every two weeks, and you are watering it every day, you will drown it. Over time, it will get worse and worse and will not grow well. Now, um, maybe you got a plant and you really like the looks of it and you stick it out in the bright, sunny, uh, sunny day, and it's not a super sun plant, you will harm it. Too much shade and it may not bloom for you. As I discovered with one of my plants that a tree was shading it. Once we got rid of the tree, the plant has been nothing but full bloom. It's been gorgeous. So they they will be the color you purchased them for, the height, the leaf color, the the blossoms, 
will be what you expect when you provided the care that the plant expects. Sometimes that's not much. Sometimes it is very, very particular. I mean, they're like, you know, they're like a child who didn't get a pony. They're going to be ornery with you. They're not going to perform their best. You need to understand what the plant requires, water, fertilizer, mulch, compost, how much, what kind of soil does it need to be grown in, what kind of sun does it need to be grown in. So long as you meet that plant's requirements, they'll look wonderful. And that's also a great indicator when they don't look good, hmm, something's not right in that combination. Did they not get enough water? Did they get too much water? Fertilizer, the mulch, did it all disappear and it needs to be replaced? Simple little clues will tell you how to keep these plants looking really good. So with that in mind, you should be able to walk into a nursery Find the plant you want and know what you need to do to take care of it. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're coming up to the top of the hour. We'll break for the news. I will talk to you all again next Saturday at 9 o'clock. Y'all have a great rest of the weekend. <laughs>